Every memorable gift starts with a wondrous story. Giving a gift with energy helps it last just that bit longer. So imagine a story from the high seas where Jefferson's ocean bourbon and rye whiskies are aged and transformed by unpredictable and unrelenting elements. They'll taste a journey in every sip, darkened by pounding waves, kissed by ocean breezes and caramelised by equatorial heat. Give the gift of adventure. Give Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon and Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon Rye. Please, sip responsibly. Copyright 2023, Jefferson's Bourbon Company, Crestwood, Kentucky. So why do you want to learn a new language? I'll tell you why. Because donde esta el baño can be a very important question at times. You know, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. Fast track your language acquisition with immersive lessons designed to teach you to pick up languages in a natural way. I love the fact that I can go from my laptop to my phone to pretty much anywhere and learn the language of my choice. Not to mention I'm bringing my communication skills to new heights. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash startalk. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Coming up on Star Talk Special Edition. It's all about sleep. And we learn what it is, why we need it, how it impacts our perception of time, and how it is that we actually go crazy when our head hits the pillow as we drift off in slumber. Coming up on Star Talk. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk. Neil deGrasse Tyson here, your personal astrophysicist. I got Chuck Nice, my co-host, Chuck. Hey, what's up, Neil? All right, Gary O'Reilly. Hi, Neil. All right, and this is a Star Talk special edition. All about sleep. Gary, what have you put together today? Well, sleep, Neil. We all do it. Um, some better than others, but why? And why have humans not evolved to do without it? I've been asking that my whole life. Here we what go. a waste now of time gonna... this is. What a waste of time. Now we're going to get somewhere, right? What are circadian rhythms and what are chronotypes? What actually defines a good night's sleep? Um, what's it going to be like sleeping in space? Uh, there is so much to understand. So let's go grab ourselves an expert. Neil, if you would <laughs> like to introduce our guest, and just because you sleep at night doesn't make you an expert, all right? We need That's a real true. expert. We need a real expert. We got Dr. Matt Walker. Matt, welcome to Star Talk. Oh, it's a delight and a privilege. And I have to say, I'm a little intimidated by the intellectual horsepower that's on display across all three of you. But I am. Oh. Um, it is. It is such <laughs> a privilege. You mean me? Uh, you mean I, me, Matt? I, 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 well, let me be agnostic <laughs> in terms of where I'm. At University of California, uh, Berkeley. I'm yes. applying yeah. it. Uh, oh no! Don't be fooled by that. All the accent. Um, yeah, my. Um, 
I think someone last week suggested that I'm if I were any more stupid, you'd have to water me twice a week. So just be oh, warned. Wow. Um, I love that wow. reference. That's, that's hilarious. That's great. Uh, that's funny. That's very funny. So All you're right. a professor of neuroscience and psychology at University yeah. of California, Berkeley. That presumably means you have an official appointment in two departments. Is that correct? I do indeed. And you're the founder and director of the Center for Human Sleep Science at UC Berkeley. With center spelled C-E-N-T-R-E. Is that correct in my notes here? That oh. is very correct. How Based evil of you. British yes. nature, uh, I know. Clearly, clearly somebody's, somebody's not getting enough sleep to spell correctly. <laughs> oh, there are going to be so many instances of my faux pas that you'll be able to point out and say, this guy must be on four three hours of sleep based on three hours, three hours. idiocy, <laughs> so uh, inbound. And author of the bestseller, Why We Sleep, Unlocking the Powers of Sleep Plus Dream. Ooh. And you're, you're a TED Talker, why wouldn't you be after all that? And you are the host of the boringly titled The Matt Walker Podcast. What's up with that? I know, you know, the, the team around me, we had one of these retreats three or four days bashing around titles. And I think the the innovation there was stunning. The Matt Walker <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, you can see that we're a creative bunch in this domain. So um, <laughs> deeply, deeply embarrassing. At the end, we're just going to agree that you need more sleep. Okay, that's what's going to happen here. Yeah. I want to know, why do we need sleep at all? I see that as a shortcoming of the human brain. If aliens mm. came... And they just watched us just lay down and be semi-comatose for one-third of Earth's rotation. They'll wonder, what's wrong with these people? Isn't it stunning? And when you think about it from an evolutionary perspective, it, it makes no sense. Because first, we're not finding food. We're not finding a mate. Right. We're not reproducing. Yep. We're not caring for our young. And worse still, we're vulnerable to predation. So on any one of those five grounds, but especially all of them as a, a collective, sleep should have been strongly selected against in the course of evolution. But the fact that in every species that we've studied carefully, even evolutionary ancient old species, every species seems to sleep or have something like sleep. What that means is that sleep evolved with life itself on this planet and then has fought its way heroically through every step along the evolutionary path, which must mean that sleep is absolutely vital. And in fact, it's once been said, to your point, Neil, that if sleep doesn't serve a critical set of necessary functions, it's the biggest mistake the evolutionary process has ever made. I'm going with the latter. <laughs> with the latter. <laughs> Man after Sorry. my own heart. No, no, no. Just let's get the honesty out on the table. Um, <laughs> Put it out up there. Yeah, right please, out front. please. Um, but we now have a huge collection of science that suggests that um, why Mother Nature did not make a spectacular faux pas in creating this thing called sleep. So do worms sleep? When you say animals, you're not just talking about just vertebrates or mammals. Yeah, you mean all yeah. animals. Yeah, so even earthworms, which are so old from an evolutionary perspective, they have states of activity and inactivity. And if I were to show you on a, on a video, it, it's really quite telling that they seem to have, it may not be sleep, we call it lethargicus in these species. It's the kind of fancy earthworm way of saying 
you kind of <laughs> you kind of look like you're asleep, but we can't ask you the question. You know, but yeah. yeah, but yes, it could it could be it could be they're just lazy. You know, <laughs> that's right. They are lazy at very predictable times across the twenty four hour period. Uh, but right. despite that, you know, when they put their feet up, who knows what they're watching? Maybe it's. Um, Earthworm, Netflix, yeah. I don't know, but they do it in a very stable, predictive way. So do, do I, I hate using this term, but you'll know exactly what I mean. Do higher level animals require more sleep than lower level animals? It's a very interesting question, which is, can we understand the functions of sleep across phylogeny, across different species? And it's been fiendishly difficult because there are some species, um, such as the little brown bat, the rock star of sleep, sort of Keith Richard. You know, that little brown bat can sleep up to 19 hours per day. Whereas yeah. if you look... Oh, really? You, you at, talk to my cat. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah it's, I, it's trying we, to challenge we cats, that. Uh, we got cats that, that can do that. that. That bat has nothing on my cat. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> All animals that end in AT can do at least 19 hours a day. Yeah, it seems, um, to, seems so, to be. But but then if you look at um, you know elephants, for example, they sleep maybe just two to three hours. And you think, well, is there a correlation between size then? Absolutely not. There is no correlation. Is it about the size of the brain? Nothing to do with the size of the brain. Is it about prey versus predator and your status on that hierarchy? Not at all. Is wow. it about the complexity of your nervous system? A little bit, but not much. Omnivore, herbivore, um, carnivore, does that predict? No, it doesn't. Um, if you are temperature-regulated, thermoregulatory, or you're not, nothing. So warm-blooded or cold-blooded? Warm-blooded, cold-blooded. But we're starting to understand that it's actually a complex set of all of these different things. Metabolic rate does seem to be predictive um, and such that if you have a higher metabolic rate, you, your idea would be, well, then you need to sleep more to sort of restore that. It's the opposite. Higher metabolic rate, you need to stay awake for longer so you can get in enough calories to support your higher metabolic rate. And so it's a very complex question. But to your point, no, there, it, there is no simple correlation that explains the vast variance of sleep across species. Uh, one question before I hand over to my co-host here. So we've heard things about sleep rhythms and uh, maybe leading the pack there is circadian rhythms. Um, could you just shed some light on that? I think Chuck had a question about that too. Mm. Yeah, well, no, I just, I, I was wondering if like the earthworms had a circadian rhythm because that's one one of the defining uh, trip, uh, attributes of sleep is the fact that you actually do it at kind of the same time in the cycle of the day. You're absolutely right. So that's one of the ways. So let me start with what circadian rhythms are and sort of break the, the term down. Um, circa sort of around approximately and rhythm, we all know what that term is. So in other words... Wait, circa, that's the same Latin word when circa 1832. Yeah, or something. Okay, cool. Exactly. And then you've got um, dian from the Latin derivative of day. So in other words, it's a, it's a rhythm of around or approximately one day. Why is it not precisely one day? Well, when we've done studies where we take human beings, there's, there's a famous study with a professor, Nathaniel, uh, Cleetman and um, and they went off down to Mammoth Cave, 
deepest cave I remember this in America. Yeah, and where there without is clocks, no light. And they just lived no, whatever day they wanted, right? And they just right? lived and they wanted to see what happens to their sleep-wake rhythms. Do they just abandon all timing? And the answer was no. They stuck no. to a very close timing. But it was close to 24 hours, but it wasn't precisely 24 hours. When they cut themselves off from the outside world, specifically the most predictable thing on this planet, which is that since the dawn of time, unless you want to correct me, the sun has always risen and the sun has always set. And it's set in that 24-hour rhythmic nature. And when they decoupled themselves from that rhythmic signal, the body still kept its 24-hour rhythm almost. It was just a little bit laggy. And it ran about 24 hours and about 30 minutes. And now we've figured this all out in big studies and it's about 24 hours and 12 minutes that we run a little bit late if we're disconnected from the outside world. And That's then, why I always want to sleep an extra 30 minutes after the alarm clock. Please That's do why. that. Please do that. Um, <laughs> or the better day still, is short. remove the alarm clock the day. and just add an extra half hour. Um, but you will just, yeah. But if I were to disconnect yeah. you like they did with in Mammoth Cape, you just drift forward in time. You keep adding on about 15 minutes. So that's so it's a that's why we define it as about 24 hours. But beautifully, when we're living in the real world, we have cues of that 24-hour period, like light, but also feeding at certain times. Those cues, which are what we call Zeitgebers from the German term time giver, act like little fingers to pop out the dial on your wristwatch and reset it to 24 hours each day so you don't drift. But coming back to Chuck's question, that's one of the ways that we define sleep in species where it's hard to sort of place electrodes in or place electrodes on their heads. So we can look to see, do they do that activity and inactivity state in a 24-hour predictable rhythm? Yes. Also, another one is, is it reversible? Because that's what differentiates, or it's one of the things that differentiates sleep from death, which is that when an organism goes into this state <laughs> of activity, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it's not the yeah. only one, don't worry. But if you prod the earthworms, then they seem to come back to life as if they were absent this waking out, state. Out. Mm. Right. So Matt, right. when you've got circadian rhythms and it's trapped into a 24-hour-ish cycle by obviously clinical ex uh, experiment, what happens if you're an early bird or a night owl? And you call those chronotypes, you know, correct? They're early people and they're they're they're, they're yeah. morning people yeah. and they're night people. So so how are we? I mean, is that disruptive or is or is that a is that just you know some people have software uploaded that does that? Other people have this. There are party people and then there is everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and plus, Gary, the the term for your brain is not software; it's wetware. We have different okay. wetware. Okay, <laughs> sounds like I'm scuba diving, but I'll go with that. <laughs> uh -huh. Scuba diving with Matt Walker on Star Trek. Uh, yeah, no, so, yeah. Hardware, software, wetware. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, so isn't, it, isn't it a strange thing? And we are, we are um, defined by our chronotype. And our chronotype, by mm -hmm. the way, whether you're an evening type, morning type, or somewhere in between, and it's about a third, third split across the population. Um, it is not your fault. It is genetically determined, largely, and there are at least 22 different genes that we now know will dictate your chronotype destiny, 
It's gifted to you at birth. You can't really change it very much, unfortunately. But how does this fit in with that strange sort of circadian rhythm? I just told you everyone has. But these chronotypes, as I said, there are essentially three types and it's genetically determined. Um, What's interesting about those is how it changes what I just told you about the 24-hour clock face, the circadian rhythm. I told you that we have a rise. We're a diurnal species. We're active during the day. And then we're asleep at night, active during the day. So how does chronotype fit into your innate circadian rhythm? Chronotype dictates where that sort of sine wave, where that oscillation of rising activity and then the lull of sleep, where that sits on the 24-hour clock face. So we all have a circadian rhythm. But if you are a morning type, your peak activity will arrive earlier on the clock face. Whereas if I'm a neutral, which I am, I, I'm just going to sit somewhere in the middle. And then the, the, you know, the party people, uh, um, Chuck, not saying yeah, anything, yeah. Yeah, their mm-hmm. peak of activity won't start happening or rising until the afternoon. Everyone has a 24-hour rhythm. Where that rhythm sits on the clock face and is positioned is dictated by your chronotype. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. So the chronotype is like a dial that sets the place where you fall on that wave. Beautiful. Yes, exactly that. If you and your grandma don't speak the same language, it can be hard to express your love for her. McDonald's can help. To celebrate the launch of the new Grandma McFlurry, McDonald's is inviting fans to visit sweetconnections.ai, where you can record a video message for grandma that's translated into her native language. The tech will clone your voice, reanimate your face, and translate your words so that you look like you're speaking another language. Check out sweetconnections.ai, then get a Grandma McFlurry at McDonald's. Available for a limited time at participating McDonald's. Select languages available. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Every memorable gift starts with a wondrous story. Giving a gift with energy helps it last just that bit longer. So imagine a story from the high seas where Jefferson's ocean bourbon and rye whiskies are aged and transformed by unpredictable and unrelenting elements. They'll taste a journey in every sip, darkened by pounding waves, kissed by ocean breezes and caramelised by equatorial heat. Give the gift of adventure. Give Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon and Jefferson's Ocean Bourbon Rye. Please, sip responsibly. Copyright 2023, Jefferson's Bourbon Company, Crestwood, Kentucky.
So, Matt, I, I, I get it. You can describe what you already see in us, and that sounds very erudite, but scientifically, what I really want to know is what the hell is going on inside of us while we're asleep. Mm. And we now know that. Mm. And we know it from a broad perspective in terms of whole brain activity, and we also know it right down inside of a cell itself in terms of the expression wow. of genes and everything in between. I mean, we have, Whoa. you know, sliced and diced sleep in all sorts of ways, but I'll just give you some highlights. Upstairs in the brain, it is stunning. It is a spectacular display of electrical symphonic ballet. And trust me, if you saw it, you would be stunned. And in fact, we've even extracted these brain waves from the sleeping brain and we've converted them into sound files. So that, and you could, it's, it's amazing. So what happens is that when we're awake, we have very fast frenetic activity. Your brain wave pattern or patterns, sorry, I should say, are going up and down many, many times per second, maybe 50, 60 times per second. As you start to fall asleep, those brain waves start to slow down. And when you go into the deepest stage of what we call non-rapid eye movement sleep, so you have two main types of sleep, non-REM sleep and REM sleep, non-rapid eye movement sleep, rapid eye movement sleep. And non-REM sleep, you can split it up into light non-REM, deep non-REM. When you go into deep non-REM, something incredible begins. All of a sudden, hundreds of thousands of brain cells all decide to synchronize in their firing in unison. So they all fire together, and then they all go silent together, and they all fire together. It's almost like this mantra chant, and it produces these huge, powerful, deep, slow, rhythmic brainwaves that have riding on top of them these incredible bursts of electrical activity called sleep spindles. And so this is it's stunning. And then you go into REM sleep, and then the brain becomes once again frenetic. In fact, if all I had was your brainwave activity, Neil, during REM sleep, and I was in the other room, and you're in my sleep center, I could not tell in the bed, are you awake or are you in REM sleep? In fact, some parts of your brain are up to 30% more active when you are in REM sleep and dreaming, which is stunning. And then downstairs in the body, gosh, it, as you go into deep sleep, it provides almost the very best form of naturalistic blood pressure medication that you could ever wish for. Your heart rate drops, your blood pressure lowers, your immune system kicks into high gear. Upstairs, coming back to your brain, the, there is a cleansing system that starts to pulse and it flushes out all of the toxins. So it's literally a power cleanse for the brain at night. There are so many stunning things. These are just a few that I could regale you with. All right. Well, listen, I gotta go take a nap. So. <laughs> My work here is done, Chuck. <laughs> Given that these things are happening, Matt, is the brain able to improve mental health? Is it having an effect on things like dementia? It does. It radically alters both what we call your cognitive functions, so learning, memory and also your emotional and your mental health processes. So in terms of emotional and mental mm. health, we've done a lot of work, and we do a lot of work at my sleep center on this. Firstly, sleep, and particularly dream sleep, seems to provide a form of almost overnight therapy where it will take difficult, 
painful experiences. And it will essentially act almost like a nocturnal soothing balm and just take the sharp edges off those painful experiences so that you come back the next day and you don't feel as bad. They don't feel as, as painful anymore. And so it's not time that heals all wounds, but it's time during sleep and specifically dream sleep that offers that emotional convalescence, as it were. Um, so that's one of the, the mental health benefits. Gosh, there was a great quote, by the way, Joseph, um, E. Joseph Kosman, an American entrepreneur, he once said that the best bridge between despair and hope is a good night of sleep. And that's exactly what we've discovered in the laboratory. Um, your other question, Gary, is very interesting about cognitive function and Alzheimer's disease. What we have discovered is that, so there are at least two toxic proteins underlying the disorder of Alzheimer. Um, one is amyloid protein, beta amyloid protein, and the other is called tau protein. And what we've discovered is that during sleep, and particularly deep sleep at night, there is this pulsing sewage system. It's called the glymphatic system. You, you have one in your body. It's called the lymphatic system in the brain. It's called the glymphatic system. And it only kicks into high gear during deep sleep. And it, it sort of washes out all of the metabolic detritus of the day. Two of the proteins, the toxic proteins that sleep will wash away every night if you are getting enough of it, are these two Alzheimer's proteins, mm. amyloid and tau protein. And that's why we found such strong links between insufficient sleep across the lifespan and your risk for developing Alzheimer's disease. So from that perspective, it's a, a form of almost, you know, good night, sleep clean. So, so it, it, is there any work being done to figure out um, how you might induce that artificially? Or, or is the cleaning of this amyloid plaque by your brain not significant enough that it might be able to ward off um, Alzheimer's uh, altogether? But the mechanism itself, is it something that we could replicate artificially to either aid in that process or just do it? Fantastic question. And in fact, it's a question that we have addressed. We started to develop a technology based on something called transcranial direct current stimulation. It sounds like the stuff of science fiction, more your stuff than the mine, but I promise you it's, it's not. You apply electrodes to the head and you insert a small amount of voltage into the brain. And it's so small, you typically don't feel it, but it has a measurable impact. And if you apply that stimulation during sleep, during those big, powerful, deep, slow brainwaves, when we get this cleansing, um, you can amplify the size of those deep sleep brainwaves. And we can almost, for example, double the benefit um, that deep sleep brainwaves give to your memory the next day. So that would mean a short, you can, you can hijack a shorter sleep to make you feel like you had well, a longer sleep. Well, that we don't know. Mm. It, we don't know if by improving the, the, the size of these brainwaves, does that reduce your overall sleep need? And if we could, to your point, um, Neil, it, it would suggest that we're almost able to, by compressing sleep through increasing quality, it's almost as though I am, you know, I'm, I'm sort of like zip filing sleep. I just compress down your sleep need by improving the quality. And it's a short-term end. I mean, that would be spectacular. We haven't found evidence for that yet, but we have found the ability 
to manipulate this brainwave activity. And we've now since uh, split it out into a, a startup company to, to develop the device. What intrigues me, the way you describe the different parts of the sleep cycle, the sleep, the sleep session, uh, I hadn't thought about this before this moment, that if you sleep for less time than the full allocation, or you're on some travel regimen where there's a time zone shift and whatever, you can get some sleep serving only some parts of that portfolio of need, leaving out other parts of that very portfolio. So are there effects? I mean, you mentioned Alzheimer's, but overall, why can't I just sleep a little longer later? I got to stay up and pull an all-nighter tonight. It's a, it is a very interesting question. Can you essentially you know, catch up on sleep when you've m- missed it? Catch up. And catch up. The, we say that all right, the time. You know, just, you know, I've yeah, just, catch you know, up I, some I've sleep. got to, uh, I've got a tough week this, this week, but at the weekend, don't worry, I'm going to catch up. Unfortunately, many of the processes of sleep, not all of them in truth, but many of them do not work like the bank. So you can't accumulate a debt and then hope to pay it off at some later point in time. Sleep in many ways, and learning and memory is, is a good example, is an all and offing phenomenon, meaning, If you don't sleep within the 24 hours after learning those facts, you can lose the chance to consolidate and hit the save button on those memories. So you end up forgetting the information rather than remembering it. Yeah. I read the uh, abstract on a study that was talking about that. And what they did was they uh, measured the cognitive retention of people who sleep right after learning something as opposed to those who didn't. And oddly enough, if you want to do well on a test, go to bed, <laughs> study and go it's, to bed. It's, it's incredible. But suppose you go to sleep during the class. Well, you know what? The, the, the funny <laughs> yeah, thing that was, works. in my was course, I teach a large course here of about five or 600 uh, students on campus, uh, the science of sleep. And at the start of the semester, I say, based on what I know regarding the benefits of sleep on learning and memory, um, it's the greatest form of flattery for me to see people like them not being able to resist the urge to strengthen what I'm telling them by falling asleep in the class. So feel free just to ebb and flow through consciousness <laughs> throughout my course. I'll take absolutely no offense. Matt, is there a connection between dreams and time? Because there's, we've had this question pop up before on previous episodes, but without we all saw a, sleep, the movie, a sleep expert. We, yeah. we all saw the Christopher Nolan movie, uh, Inception, yeah. right? Which embedded... Mm. Time frames within dreams, and within Matt dreams. may have had a part in that. Did you have? Uh, a part I can in that, neither Matt? Uh, confirm or or deny that. But um, what I'm about to tell you is is very um, uh, congruent with the movie. So time is is so fascinating when it comes to sleep because it's a total paradox. On the one hand, you lose all sense of time, meaning that if you fall asleep on a plane, you know, you, let's say you transatlantic flight. Um, when you wake up, what's the first thing that you do? Typically, you look at your clock and you say, you know, how long have I been asleep? Why? Didn't you, weren't you able to track time in your sleep? No. So you've, you have, you've lost your sense of time during sleep at one level. But then the second level is that when we fall asleep and we go into dream sleep, there, something different happens with time. And we've got a neural explanation that I'll come on to, but what is different about dream sleep is that you can get what we call time dilation 
And this comes on to the movie Inception, where at the first level down, five minutes in the real world is maybe 50 minutes in the first level of the dream. And then it maybe it's five years in the second level. And then maybe it's 50 years in the third level. Now, we don't actually have these levels, as it were. We really just go into the dream state. But it, it, it is fitting because when you go into dream sleep, and here's a good example. Let's say that you have a snooze button and your arm goes off and your snooze button is for three minutes. So you hit it and you go back to sleep and you go back into the dream that you are having. And then the alarm goes off again three minutes later. But you could absolutely tell me, no, that wasn't three minutes. I was dreaming for what felt like 15 minutes. And so time is stretched and dilated, which means that, yes, inception-like, you have more time as you go into dream sleep. Why would this be? If you look at rats running around a maze as they learn the maze, the memory centers of the maze code the maze. So it's sort of like, if you were to listen to the brain cells, as it's learning the signature of the maze. And then scientists have let those rats sleep and then they've listened back into the firing of those brain cells. And what's stunning is that when you go into REM sleep, unlike non-REM sleep where things speed up, in REM sleep, it goes from to it's about 0.5 times. It's like taking this podcast and hitting on your podcast player, play it at 0.5 times for me. That's what dream sleep is actually like and maybe provides an explanation for why we have time dilation and why you can create beautiful movies like Inception. <laughs> and now at what level at what level does it go to <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the one that I'm most worried about is the one that goes bum 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 Seasons change. Why not your gaming tech? Upgrade now during the Alienware Summer Sale event and save on select next-gen Alienware PCs and more. Pair your impressive skills with our advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select gaming monitors, mice and more must-have electronics and accessories when you shop online at alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Exceptional prices await you for a limited time only at alienware.com deals. That's alienware.com deals. Guess who's a Verizon Fios customer? Okay, it's me, you got me, that's right. And I love Verizon Fios because I love having a fiber optic connection come directly into my home. That's right, it doesn't stop at the street and then regular cable comes in. No, it comes directly into my home and that gives me the best viewing experience that I could ever have. And now for a limited time, you 
can stream what you love for less with Verizon. Get one year of Peacock Premium for just $19.99. That's a savings of over 60%. Save on all your favorite shows and movies from Traders to Love Island to Trolls Band Together to Yellowstone. Start saving on the subscription you love at verizon.com slash plus play. Available through Verizon Plus Play. New Peacock subscriptions only. After one year promotional period, subscription auto renews at then current annual price plus tax unless you cancel. $59.99 until July 17th, 2024. As of July 18th, 2024, the price will increase to $79.99. Additional terms apply. See verizon.com slash plus play for more details. Do you want to set up your child for success? Of course you do. Maybe you want to save money on private tutoring, or maybe it's just out of your budget altogether. Is this a big school year for your child? Like maybe they're starting kindergarten, middle school, or high school, or some other milestone. Maybe your family moved and they're starting at a new school. Is your child ahead? Not getting challenged enough in class? Well, we love that little smarty, but we want them to be engaged. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. There's one site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids can use it at home on the computer or on the go through the app on your phone or your tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything itself. And no more trying to figure out how to explain math equations or grammar rules yourself. IXL has built-in explanation videos. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And Star Talk Radio listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash Star Talk. Visit IXL.com slash Star Talk to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, Matt, how about premonitions? Because I've got into this before about a premonition I've had, but um, do we have the ability to see into the future while we dream, or quite literally, are we just dreaming? <laughs> Look, the answer is no. 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 Really? We want really? it to be true. Books are written about it. It's in, it's in religious texts. Oh, Neil, I'm so glad you are in the world. Um, well, at first glance, you're right. And then if you look at some of the data, you start to think, ah, is he right? Because there are some cases where people, and this is what people will tell me, say, look, the FBI has a documented person who two days before called them and said, look, there is going to be, um, unfortunately, a plane crash. It's going to be uh, you know, this specific uh, line, and it's going to crash in this state. Um, it's going to crash here in the United States. And they think, uh, you know, it's a cracked part. And yeah, and the FBI well, should they just think this, this person <laughs> is, is out of their mind. And then lo and behold, you know, two days later, and now that person seems like a culprit and they find out that it's not. 
How is that? That seems deeply prophetic when that person then tells you during the interview, I had mm -hmm. this dream. It was a dream that told me this was going to happen. It felt so real. And now I've just seen it happen and I want to go back to my phone call. And you think, okay, there's got to be something in this. Well, this is where there are lies, damn lies, and statistics. Because if you think about, firstly, we have about four to five REM cycles every night. And let's just say that for every REM cycle, we only have one dream. It's probably not true, but let's be conservative in our calculation. So that's about four to five dreams per person, per night, across the current six billion human beings. So if eight, you do... Eight, eight. eight billion, right. And let's assume that of those, you know, seven are at the stage of development where they actually are dreaming, so I become conservative again. That math, that mathematics, as we would say, if you calculate it, means that it is highly probable by just statistical chance alone that someone somewhere on the planet tonight is going to have a dream that turns out to have some degree of prediction of something that will happen in the world tomorrow. It is just statistical chance. Unfortunately, Neil, you're a gem. You're absolutely right again. And we remember the hits and not the misses, right? Do you call up the FBI every time you have a, some right. kind of crime premonition? You know, I, it's... Right. Yeah. I had a dream that someone killed my wife and it has not happened. What is going on? What is happening? Why I can't get away with this. Oh, type you're of stuff. in so much know. trouble with the good lady. So you've bust that miss by statistics and damn lies, in my opinion, man. So um, when, when we enter a dream state and we sleep, is there a point where we are entering into a psychotic state? By all definition, yes. Because when you start to dream, you begin to see things which are not there, so you're hallucinating. You believe things that couldn't possibly be true, so you're delusional. You become confused about... Like the monster chasing me. Right. Correct. Right. You know, and that, that feels immensely real. And you know, ask your heart rate, and it will confirm <laughs> that very much. You know, um, and so... And you lose your sense of time, place, and person, so you're suffering from disorientation. You have wildly fluctuating emotions that we call being affectively labile. And then how wonderful. You wake, woke up this morning, and you forgot most, if not all, of that dream experience, so you're suffering what from does amnesia. What labile mean? It means? What does that phrase mean? Labile means unstable, almost pendulum-like, in an unpredictable manner, where you're just unstable. So it, it's a very labile state. And in that way, you know, across all of those five things, hallucinating, you're delusional, you know, you're, you're, and you're amnesic. If you were to report any one of those symptoms when you're awake to me, you know, you would be seeking serious psychological, psychiatric treatment. But for reasons that we're now only just understanding, it seems to be both a perfectly normal biological and psychological sleep. But you are essentially entirely psychotic when you dream. <laughs> nice to know. Well, it's good to see that things don't change when I yeah. go to sleep. P.S. <laughs> you're welcome. You know, Kai, you invite a guest onto the show and what they end up doing is accusing you of becoming utterly psychotic. Um, thanks. Great. <laughs> I got a question. In zero G, um, you know, I think of a nice cozy night's sleep. It's a, 
a fluffy pillow, nice, cozy comforter, blankets. Uh, in zero G, your, your body doesn't lean in any one direction. You just float there. So does you think your brain knows? I mean, we, we have, you can ask astronauts this, of course, but I've never, I never thought to do so. Um, does your brain have to have some sense of a gravity vector while you're asleep, do you think? Yeah, like like your inner ear. Yeah, for proper dream, for proper yeah. dreaming. Yeah, right. it's, it's a fascinating yeah. uh, question, and you know we've done some work with with NASA um, with sleep, and it's it's a it's a really important challenge for a number of reasons. But firstly, what we found is that that gravitational vector, as you described it, isn't thankfully hugely influential, such that any one particular stage of sleep or your entire sleep becomes. Um, Un, ungeneratable, as it were, not a word, but um, it, it's not necessarily a problem there. However, there are some other problems. The first is just simply pragmatic, that if you are floating around and you're asleep, you're going to start bumping into things and you're always going to be waking up. So you, firstly, you have to carabiner yourself <laughs> against this. Well, strap them yes, in. On the, not just bodies exactly, floating you know, by. Exactly. Well, you know, the people who are working the night shift, the, the typing way in there, who's that? Oh, it's, it's just Gary floating by, you know? <laughs> and the people who snore, oh, could, you know, there, there's extra propulsion. Correct, right? yeah. Oh, could cool. you yeah. imagine? Yeah, uh, well, actually, it would be great because what you could do is, uh, is you could sort of, um, since there's no gravity, hopefully that means that you could not have the airway collapsing and snoring would be less. That's actually a really interesting hypothesis. Uh, One that I don't know. Is there snoring in space? Yes. These are the questions we need answers to. Great hypothesis. I love it. There's the first grant. Um, but yes, so you have to right. carabine yourself <laughs> against this sort of large cylindrical um, metal cigar that you're floating around. And that's the first thing. The second weird thing is that when you... in sort of zero G, when you exhale, if there wasn't sufficient circulation and you're strapped in and you're in the same position, what begins to happen is you get this buildup, this cloud of carbon dioxide around you. A CO2, CO2 bubble. bubble. Yeah. And it can obviously lead to a very quick final wow. popping you out of the gene pool. Wait, wait, just to be clear, just to be clear, um, the space station has air currents in it. So it right. would... It would cycle through the air. And yeah. other than the CO2 coming out at body temperature, which is presumably warmer than air temperature, uh, it that would rise away. It from would you. rise on Earth and not rise in the space station. So, but, right. so that's, there, is dark, there are air currents. And so, so much so that if you leave something, if you let something go, it'll eventually go to the vent. Right. So that's why everything's Velcroed in. Yeah. Um, nice. If, if, if you that misplace was- something, Check the yeah, yeah. Check, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Matt, you know, talking to the space station, how many sunsets and sunrises do you get in a space in a in a twenty four hour period for an astronaut or on a space station? And how are you working with that? Here's the challenge. This is the main reason, not the loss of the gravitational vector, but the right. fact that your circadian rhythm that we spoke about is now mm-hmm. thoroughly confused. Because let's <laughs> say that you're on the International Space Station, as as an example. Um, you are going to see every 24 hours 16 sunrises and 16 sunsets. And so your body is getting the signal that we all get in a nice predictable fashion once during the day, once sunrise, once sunset. 
it's getting the signal of, okay, it's time to be awake. Um, oh, no, now it's, it's sleep. Oh, no, and you're awake. And no, 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 back to sleep. Wait, but I'm man, sorry. How, oh. how connected are we to the sun? We, we live in a fully lit nighttime. I live in New York City. You know, yeah. it, it doesn't get yeah. dark. I, I never take my eyes off my phone. <laughs> so. I, mean, mm. I mean, you know, are we farmers? <laughs> no, you know, we're not all just up, time to go, go to sleep. The yeah. sun Time to wake up. So do we think it really matters anymore in modern society? I'll still give you the 24 hours, but do you really give a rat's ass about the sun anymore? You, you would think based on... I'm not on, sure you know, I heard you say that, right? You give a rat's ass about the sun. <laughs> Take that song! Yeah, yeah. well, speaking, speaking about um, the rodent derriere, as you uh, just described it, um, I, yes, it does matter. And in fact, it's part, it's one of the contributing reasons why there is so many, um, or there's so much sleep disruption and sleep problem, uh, such a sleep problem that we see in society right now. We have become dislocated from this natural edict of the rising and setting of the sun. We are a dark-deprived society in this modern era, and we need darkness at night in particular to help regulate the hormone release called melatonin, which augments your human sleep. And in part, we can do this with natural light when we come in in the evenings. No wonder we are sleep disrupted because our brain is thoroughly confused. It's in constant low-level light. I really have a couple more minutes. Matt, I, I might be a good subject for your sleep studies because I can sleep anytime, anywhere, in practically any position for almost any length of time. So much so that I would say, you know, the power nap that people talk yeah. about, I, I, I can either have that or not. If I got a couple minutes, I, I say, well, let me sleep for 20 minutes and I'll get up and go. Let me sleep for an hour and a half. Let me sleep for 45. And I'll do this. And at night, I can sleep for eight hours or five hours, depending on what I need to do in that day. So, and I can go to sleep within minutes of laying down, you know, in, in some kind of comfortable position. And I met so many people that have a hard time sleeping. I say, what do you mean you have a hard Just go to sleep. Right. Or stay awake and do something productive. Don't lay in bed. Say, oh, I can't get to sleep. Then go do something. Mow the lawn. I mean, so... so <laughs> Yeah, 11.30 at night. Get the lawnmower <laughs> out. The neighbors are going to love you. Yeah. Am I, is it true that people who sleep anytime, anywhere... And, and I don't drink coffee. I don't have a relationship with caffeine. So I don't depend on that for me to be awake or asleep. Is this? I, I think that's unusual based on people I speak it to. It is unusual, and it's especially unusual the older that you get. I'm not suggesting that you're old, but as we get older... No, I'm an old farm. <laughs> I'm an old, crusty man Trust right me, now, I'm, so. I'm right there with you in the foothills of middle age, at least right now. Um, it is inbound. What, we, what I would say is that, firstly, you could just be one of those unique people who have an incredible appetite and hunger and drive for sleep such that the alacrity of your sleep with which it arrives is stunning and that you're in the top 1%. The other thing that sometimes we would want to do, however, is check the quality of your sleep. Because if you are constantly able to fall asleep anytime, anywhere, for any duration, which is what you just described to me, at that point, I may be getting a little bit worried that you're carrying a lingering sleep quality debt because there's something about your sleep that may not be quite sufficient, such that with that debt, 
you are constantly craving. Your brain has this constant hunger because you are constantly in a fasted state, as it were, when it comes to quality sleep. So no wonder whenever you give your brain a chance, it thinks, time to feast, because my goodness, I'm so sort of sleep macronutrient deficient right now. Giving it the little bit that it'll take. Or or could it it be that you're just a closet narcoleptic? No, I I don't know. I mean, so, so, but also when I wake up, I'm pretty perky when I wake up. I'm not one of these. That's uh, right. Yeah, and and there is, unfortunately, there is not necessarily a strong alignment between your subjective sense of how well you slept last night. So I would say that when it comes to um, that sleep need, we would just want to check the quality of your sleep to make sure that you're sleeping okay. And if that's well, the case... Well, next time in Berkeley, okay. put me on electrodes, okay? I will bring you in anytime. We'll fly out. We'll we'll come and apply them tonight. Tell me where you live. And once I know where you live, oh, be careful. Uh, Well, Matt, this has been a delight. Neil deGrasse Tyson here, coming from a Star Talk special edition on sleep. We'll see you again, provided you continue to look up. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with Sirius XM's Listen Next program presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with Sirius XM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.